Let's go to the passage of week three. Before we take our seats this morning, let's stand for the reading of three verses here. How many are glad to be here? Oh, now we, now we got some caffeine flowing. I cut my caffeine in half this week. It's been a little watery and weird. <laughs> it's like dirty water now. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and your father, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Catch that he says that it may go well with you. You're going to take that somewhere with you. As you're seated this morning, I want you to find three people. You can shake their hand, high five them, you can hug them, whatever you want, and just tell them God's got a word for you today. Come on, find three people. God's got a word for you today. For you and me and us. Hey, Yvonne, miss you. So glad to see you. Give it up for Yvonne, everyone. I hope your shoulder's feeling better. We love you. I just want you to know that. This is week three of four of Love Languages, a series we've been doing all February. The first week we spoke about our words, being the first seed we start to plant in the relationships we develop. Then we started about we we started week two talking about our commitment, which reinforces our words. That if we have no commitment, our words are in vain, they're superficial, they're shallow, that we can talk it good, but if our weeks aren't backing it up, we're living a lie, y'all. So I can't live like that. I'm not saying we should be perfect, but we want our commitment to support our words that we proclaim on Sunday. And today, we're going to talk about what I would say connects to commitment, but it's broader than that. It's honor. Honor. Week three is about honor. And before we get into this word, I want to thank you all for your continued faithfulness to One Seed Church, that your, your giving is causing this project to go forward. A giving church is a growing church. They go together, and if you separate them, the formula breaks. It's not ours, it's God's. So when I say thank you for your faithfulness to One Seed Church, I'm saying thank you for your faithfulness to God's word and his love for you, that when we have the revelation of what giving does, it will change your life. It will change your life. And I can tell you, I've been the McDuck of the world, and I've had my moment years ago that I was holding on to so much and could do so little and felt empty, Nate. And the moment I said, you know what? What can I do to bless others? And that's not just financially. It's everything. But but financially giving to God's house matters. And that's how we pay the bills. That's how we pay for this construction. I don't know if y'all doing the math. It's basic math. And I want to tell you, God is so good. This is, this is not normal what we're doing. We're getting a brand new building. Have you seen how big our congregation is? This is not normal what we're doing. So I can promise y'all, if you get on board with the mission, you're going to see something you've never seen. It took five years to get to here, and just wait till the next five. I promise you that. God gave me that word for you today. 
So I just want to thank you from the, from the bottom of my heart personally that I can tell you you're making this move forward. That's what's making it move forward. So thank you for that. Last week they finished our stage, and y'all can't see it yet. And I was going to show, um, if you've never been here, like you didn't know that, this whole wall's going out. There's an entire stage on the other side. The other half of the building in the front is our kids' wing. We've never had kids' classes, ever. This is the first time we haven't been in a hallway. What will we do? Like, yeah, God can just drop miracles from the sky, but we need some classrooms, y'all. So like those little things have a, a perpetual exponential return when we get those basics in place. So we've been grinding without them. What will God do with them? Hundred times, hundredfold. Anyway, all that to say, the stage is back there and I'm already practicing, Nolani, standing there at the front of the stage, listening to worship myself as it goes, because I can't wait to move up to the front row with my family, and we're going to be sitting there, and I'm going to worship on that stage. That's our altar, and you can, you can worship there anytime you want. It's four feet tall. It's at my chest. Nate said he's going to have to do some, some aerobics to get in shape in case he has to hop, the, hop up on the stage, because it's so tall. <laughs> uh, but anyway, when we pull this wall down, it's going to be 90% there, and so we're going to literally pull the wall down, and then boom, there it is. It's going to be amazing. Is anybody excited besides me? I mean, I dreamt about it, but when I saw it last week, I almost fallen. I couldn't get up. I had almost text Nate. It is spectacular. And that's just one little slice of what we're doing here. It is spectacular. We are so close. We are so close. Look to your neighbor and say, we are so Close. Our road sign goes in next month. Our 10 foot tall, excuse me, 12 foot tall, 10 foot wide, double sided LED road sign goes in next month. We want to be really obnoxious with our faith in a good way. We want, when you drive down, this is not part of the message, I'm just talking here. When you drive down Tom Geneva in the dark, you're going to go, I've seen two things high school and one seat church. That's our mission. And that's what we're doing. It's going to be so bright. Some are going to think there's a Dunkin' Donuts or a, a Krispy Kreme throwing up the Batman light for 24-hour donuts. No, that's us. Next month. So good. All right, I'll see you later. No, I'm kidding. We're talking about honor. The passage is Paul speaking to the Ephesian church, talking about honoring your, fa your father and your mother, which is where honor is developed and started first. The reason he says you'll take that with you into the world, because if you don't learn how to do it at home first, what will you do in the world? You know, the Bible also says, turn up a child as they should go, and when they're older, they, they shall not stray. Same principle. If we don't learn it in the home, how are we going to learn it in real life? And guess what? If we ain't teaching, the world will. If I don't teach my daughter who's turning 13, somebody else will. Devil, stomp your head like the garden. <laughs> Bruise the head of the serpent. Ow, it's concrete. But I was thinking back to how I honored my mother and my father as a kid. Did anybody else really honor them well? You just honored, especially teenager, you just honored your mother and your father so well. Who did not do maybe the greatest job honoring their mother and their father? Well, we got a lot of truthful people in here. Praise God for the truth. 
I remember one time, this was so good, I would kill my children if they did this. Who remembers egging cars? Because that'll get you punched in the face. That takes the pain off. <laughs> well, I had some bad influence friends around 14 and we were going to, they were sleeping over, and we lived on a main road in Chesterfield, and we were going to just nail the car from inside the house in the dark, so they don't even know, like, what hit them. We thought that'd be funny, and as a man, I'm thinking, that's horrible. Why would you do that to someone's car? Anyway, so, so I was trying to be cool, and so it was my house, and it was my eggs, and so I was going to throw it from inside the foyer. Well, it was a tall door with a big glass window pane above it, but it was like an eight-foot door. So it's plenty of height. And it was dark, you know, and it was like 3 a.m. And you see the spotlights coming up. I'm like, okay, th this is the one, guys. This is the one. And I got the egg, and I get the wind up. And they're like, make sure you aim good. And I'm like, I got it. And I get ready to throw And they're like, wham, throw it. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? <laughs> it's dark. All over the inside of the glass. <laughs> yeah. Have y'all met my mom? Okay, so I'm like, dear Lord, I missed and it never left the building. The egg never left, Megan. We'll just wipe it up. We'll just wipe it up. No one will ever know. Because how many have spilled a raw egg and know that it smells really like a raw egg? So we wiped it up. We went to sleep and no one will ever know until about 8 a.m. I hear, <gasps> Jeffrey! Do you remember this, Pam? Yes. I bet you do. What did you do? Did you get up here? I don't remember. I blacked out. But evidently the egg was a lot more places than we saw in the, in the dark. It went, like, to the family room. Shoot, there's probably an egg in the kitchen. That, thing's, that thing went so far. Guess what? I never did again throw an egg because I couldn't aim evidently can we talk about spankings in here is that weird oh he said spanking we don't do. I don't spank my kids I use um stun gun <laughs> just kidding <laughs> no if you really want to punish my boys violence don't work you got to take Fortnite. then they're just on the floor like convulsing and you cut the internet too oh it's that's they just think the rapture came and they got left that's what they think. If we cut the internet and we take Fortnite, we are the devil in the house. No, but uh, back in the days, my mom, my mom used a little violence, and that, that was okay. I'm good for it. And, uh, <laughs> and we just didn't think nothing of it. We got a hand. Sometimes we have a, it's fine now. Don't, don't like go report nobody. This is in the 80s, baby. It was like a hand, sometimes a wooden spoon, a fly swatter. I always hoped it was a fly swatter. It never hurt. I was like, oh, no, the fly swatter. Ow. You got jeans on, you can't feel nothing. But sometimes it's a belt, and that hurt. And so right around the same time I threw the egg, I remember my mom chasing me down in my bedroom with a belt. <laughs> Do you remember this one? And I caught it, and I laughed. And I said, I'm too big for this. <laughs> That was the last time I ever got a spanking. And it's funny now, but that was not being, showing honor to my parents 
that was dishonoring them. I, I called it protection. I didn't think I was dishonoring my, my parents. I thought I was protecting my behind from blisters. And just y'all know, we weren't scared of my dad. Love you, dad. We were scared of my mom. My mom did all the taking care of business most of the time. You think that's bad. You ought to see it, hear my brother's stories. I was the good one. But I'm just saying, I had my fair share. And so I remember, I remember my mom preaching this to me a lot of times. You, you probably heard this scripture from your mom, Nate. The Bible says, honor your mother and your father. I don't think you're doing that, son. At the time, I'm like, I don't care. But now I'm like, I agree. Because I have kids. And I, I understand it from a parent's perspective. And thank God we change, right? What if we kept behaving at, at, we did a 14 at 44? What if you saw PJ up on Tom Ginevra with an egg today? And I'm like, oh, we're going to we're gonna hit a car. Well, nobody will know. I'll put my hood up. Cody, they won't know I'm a pastor of the church. Like, like we should outgrow that, right? Because if we don't learn to honor where honor is due, we're missing not only what love is, we're missing the commandment of the Bible, that Jesus also speaks here. This time it's Paul, and we're going to get there. But honor is so critical. When I say honor, I'm also going to use the word reverence, and I'm going to use them together. I'm going to use them synonymously or in conjunction how does honor play a part in our relationships? We know the Bible speaks to honor, but, it, excuse me, it speaks to honor God, but how can we honor God if we don't honor those around us? Can you? I know another passage, I think it's uh, Matthew, I don't know what chapter, what verse. It says, it says, when you've done the least to these, my children, when you've done it to the least of them, you've done it to me, says the king. That tells me when the apostles were letting, like, the, the lower people not be worthy of the blessing or the healing or the whatever. And, and he says, when you let them go by, you're doing it to me. I used to preach that, that, that blessing is circular, secular. I don't know which word that is. God gives it to me. I give it to them. And as I give it away, God keeps giving it to me. Here's a circle. However, if I just keep taking it in and taking it in and I don't do nothing with it, guess what? There's no flux capacitor moving here. It stops. And so if we don't honor our peers, then we can't honor God. You can't. And so God made humanity to know that he loves his greatest creation, which is us. Therefore, if we don't honor those who have come before us, like our parents, those who have led us, like our, our parents, aunts and uncles, friends, guided us, influenced, and even those who have let us down, are we able to honor God? Do my relationships include honor? Do I respect people? Let's say that together. Do I respect people? Come on, say it. Do I respect people as God intended? Let's do it again. You all need to wake it up. Do I respect people as God intended? There we go. Now you'll remember that. Who am I honoring in my life? Do I honor those I love? Like my wife, my family, my friends, my children? Do I honor them, but I love them? Do I not honor them, but I love them? Well, love languages contains honor as well. So to know if we can honor, we have to really understand what honor is. 
It's a deep respect for something or someone. So when you revere them like a pastor, like an elder, like a grandpa, like a family, you honor the role they serve in your life. Like a coach. How many had a, a coach that really made them mad, but at the end of the day, they honored them because of the role they played. Your military, we honor the military because the role they put themselves in to protect us. That's why honor is due. We revere them. We deeply respect their role. And that's part of how we love them. My boys have had the most sloppy wrestling career of any peewee league, but Colton officially quit this year just because he wanted to. And I finally... <laughs> how do you really feel? How does dad feel about it? Where's my pom-pom? Just kidding. So Colton quit. I finally let him quit after six years of fighting with him to get beat up and hurt. And I'm like, this is fun, buddy. Dad, they punched me in the eye. Caleb, however, just so you know, right now he's having a stomach problem. We think it's like a gastritis, and we think we're getting to the end of it. <laughs> last year he had the flu or something, and then we had corona season. So out of the last three years, he's basically missed almost all three seasons. And that's okay, but if I was here, well, I am here. If Caleb was here, and when I'm there, whoever's coach is coached to me and my boys. Um, they started with Coach Drew. As soon as we walk in the room, he's coached to me. I've talked about that. He's coached to them. We respect the role they play because they are conditioning the children in that moment for something that's very important. And then we got to move on to Coach, coach Scott who's the current coach of the Francis Howell Jr. Vikings. If you all got um, kids from five to eighth grade, Francis Howell's got a really cool program, Francis Howell Jr. Vikings. And um, Coach Scott Corley is, is just amazing. And even though he's my friend now after all these years, he's still coach when I see him. It's just because I respect his role. I respect his investment and what he does for the kids. He's, he's a volunteer, and he does that for the kids. And now my kids are doing some swim because I'm tired of, like, trying to save them at the lake. So we almost got them floating on their own. And they've got a swim coach. <laughs> and uh, I apologize. I don't remember the, his name, but um, my whole family's missing today. Colton, what's your, swim, what's your swim teacher's name? He don't know either. Oh, Okay. Uh, so they're all coaches. I think one of them is maybe Ian. Ian, we'll go with that. Coach Ian, great. But I saw him, I said, hey, coach. I mean, they're holding my kid's life in their hand. So I better respect what they're doing. Because if I don't, I'm putting my life, my kid's life in the hands of someone I don't even respect. They could drown. But I respect them because they're the protector at that moment, even though I'm on the other side of the glass and I am watching, unless I get confused and distracted by text messages. And then I totally forget I'm there. And the kids say, Dad, we've been waiting on our towels for 15 minutes. Class is over. Where you been? And I said, I've been sitting right here. What do you mean? Inside joke. Inside joke. That's what honor is. That's just a couple examples of it. And we're living in a generation that is removing that. They're removing honor from everything. We're living in a generation that teaches it's all about self-consumption. Forget about what you do for me. As long as I can get what you do, if I can get what I need out of you by you doing for me, I'm on to the next thing. The culture is trained to use and abuse and move on, but not revere, respect, and honor for a lifetime. 
that's where we're headed. Honor gives understanding that we can't do it alone. There is honor for people I don't even know because I know without them I'm in trouble. With my putting gas in my car, with my freedom, with getting sick, like, like with protection from the, from the popo, like we got to have honor for all these people in our life. That means police, y'all. I was just teasing y'all. He said poo-poo. No, I said popo. Jeez, man. Y'all stiff today. I'm kidding. Y'all so good. The people online are like, what did he say? Well, if you come in person, you could understand what I'm saying. But that consumption mentality degrades honor because we're training to think we don't need anybody else to survive. And that is a big lie from the devil. There is no accomplishment you will ever achieve that you got the prize for that someone else didn't help you get. Nothing. You can ask, you can ask Michael Phelps. You can ask the, the world's fastest runner. You can, ask any, you can ask a Navy SEAL. You can ask anybody. And I guarantee you, even though they got the accolade, they will say, there's no way I could do this without somebody else. So I promise you, those of high achievement have lots of honor. That's what makes team. That's why when you bring that into your church, you bring that into your relationships, you strengthen your team. That's why when a team loses, everybody's sad. Everything's a team sport if you think about it. We want, we want to win together as God's people. Living for God is not a selfish ambition. It's a team thing. And where the fulfillment comes is through seeing your team win together. Like, I'd, I'd just love to think the sermon is the best thing you ever heard, but without the fellowship, you, you couldn't hear the word because the fellowship is what gets you through the week, too. The worship together is what draws the power of God. It's, it's, the, it's the communion of worship that is so valuable, and it's, it's the team thing of, of church that is why we have to keep it in person. That's why we can't eliminate the, the social aspect of it because it's critical, it's critical. And just because the world suggests it don't mean it's biblical that we keep doing it. I can't tell you how many times I've almost got rid of online broadcasting. Not because I don't want to do it. I really do. But after a while, I started thinking people are switching to that. And they're forgetting actually the biblical way, which is together. And y'all can, y'all can get mad at me if you want. But I'm telling you, we keep training the people that they can do it in isolation. The devil keeps lying to them. You can't do it in isolation. Is this feeding somebody? How many have felt isolated enough to know that doesn't work? Me too. And until you feel that isolation, you don't really value what community does. You got to have it. You were meant to have it. Honor says someone paved this path before me, and I'm just continuing on. And I may not even know who they are. And there's different levels, as we, as we talked about. There's some that give no honor. There's some that give some honor. And there's some that are, like, uh, so full of honor, they make you feel bad because they're just so, they have so much integrity. And they're so genuine. And the reality is that's where we want to go. Not just in, in the church, but in our life. What we pick up in the Bible, we take into our life. He says, he says so that it may go well with you. 
that you may enjoy long life. You're not only blessing them when you honor them, you're blessing yourself because of it. Because just like giving, everything we do outwardly and unconditional is the only way we find fulfillment that sticks in here. The rest fades like the leaves. The, the, the rest is the new car smell. And then when the new car smell's gone, I need another new car smell. But this kind of joy only comes from outward, loving, honor, expression. And that brings back a joy that is really unbreakable. And no matter how mad they are at you, and no matter how much they don't deserve it, we're going to go there. You love them anyway. They didn't teach me to honor. Well, God can teach you today. Reverence is something we've lost sight of in everyday life. I can tell you it's a real reverent world when I'm driving places. Especially the young people. The reverence in the car is just through the roof. The love and honor and respect that they could crash into you and be careful is just not there at all. You think it's, you think it's Bugs Bunny and some bumper cars out there. People cray-cray. Because they don't have no honor, no respect, no outward thinking about anything past the moment. I'm going to challenge you just on the spot right now. Every decision you make this week, think three steps ahead of it. Then make your decision. Always be three steps ahead of the current decision. Well, I want to buy this. What's two steps that happen after that? And if they all line up, make that first decision. That's how we make every decision. That's, that's reverence to uh, life. <laughs> being respectful of consequence, the unknowns. But back to this specific point about mother and father, specifically, just to touch on that, this passage doesn't make sense if you didn't have a good mom and dad. So when people hear Ephesians and they say, honor your mother and father, and then they say, well, my mom and dad weren't good to me. Maybe they were abusive. Maybe they were drug addicts, alcoholics. Maybe they left me. Maybe, they, maybe I never knew them. Like, how do I apply this passage? And honestly, they don't deserve it. That's how you feel, right? How many know somebody? Let's be real. Can we be real in church today? How many know somebody that you know you're supposed to honor, but in the deep down of your core, you say they don't deserve it? Can I get an amen? Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Me too. Me too. Thank you. They don't deserve it. Did Jesus say, if they don't deserve it, then don't do it? I'm going I'm to preach today. Is this okay? Remember, that was Paul. This is Jesus. Let's go to Matthew 15, 8 real quick, Zach. These people, that's the house of God. Honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. See how he just flipped the script on us? Well, Jesus, I thought we were talking about them. Yeah, and you. Because we can be that too and be blind to it. If we're justifying who deserves it, when and where, and allocating the blessing of how it should be, we are not serving as a servant to the master who is Christ. We are being our own master. And so I can't tell you how many times it hurts to watch people come into church, get irritated, and then be mad about something, and then they lose, they just throw out the scripture. Well, what are we following? 
I can't lie to y'all. If there was a loophole, I'd say take it because sometimes life would be easier. But there's no loophole with this. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. So that same feeling that, that we have with them, God has with his people sometimes. And so if God has that with his people, we know there's a connection between how we feel with them and how he can feel with us, and we don't even notice. I don't want to be there. I don't want to live like that. I want my words to matter. That's why we're preaching about commitment behind our words. And now we're preaching about honor behind our our behavior because it matters. Because if we say it good with our lips in church and we live it wrong with our life in life, then something's wrong here. He says, says, their hearts are far, far from me. Where do you want your heart to be? With God in the kingdom. Tight, close. We can stand reverent before God and leave and be reckless on Monday. But God cares most about what's happening in your heart today. It's your garden. That's why we call it the seed. One seed into the garden cultivates a garden that's fruitful, and and the garden grows and becomes multiple, land, plentiful. That's That's what God cares about more than anything else. He cares about your heart in the condition of your heart. And if we don't focus on that first, the outward fruit will never have root because it stems from the heart. I never had good parents. They don't deserve it. I would agree with that. But I still won't let myself believe into that. Can I tell you all a personal story that's a little deeper than some, and I've heard, I've I've shared some of this before, but I share it to hope it connects with you. I had three sets of grandparents. I had a bonus pair. And I just thought what I had was normal. And I remember going to kids, and I didn't have bad grandparents, but I remember going to kids like birthday parties and stuff, and then they'd get like a bike or something, and they'd be like, my grandpa gave me that. I'm like, what? No, you're only supposed to get a $20 check and see him once a year. I remember telling them that, like, no, that's not how grandparents work. I don't know what kind of grandparents you have, but that's not the definition of grandparents. Grandparents give you a $20 check once a year, and that's when you see them. Oh, and you see them on Easter, too. And no, you're supposed to not want to sleep at their house. You're supposed to want your mommy because you're not comfortable. That's normal. And, and I love my grandparents, and, and I always have. But I never had any of that with any of them. I never had the relationship my kids have with my mom. My mom is like the best grandma on the planet. Give it up for Grammy. And you know why? Because they weren't. So she broke the curse there. But what's really sad, I have, I have a they don't deserve it moment. I have a grandparent. Um, he used to talk like Donald Duck when I was a kid. And I remember him talking like Donald Duck. And he would make the best chicken legs, barbecue. We'd go in his backyard in South City. And y'all remember the, you throw the, the darts, was it a ring they would land in? The yard darts? I'm so boring now. I don't, what is it? Well, not the bag toss, but the yard darts. And then we do the Italian, not the bocce ball, the croquet? Crochet? What? That's crocheting. What's the thing where you, what is it? Croquette, yeah. You hit the, the ball and if you hit your sibling in the head with it, it's hospital. That game. 
And then my grandma, she would have these Chico sticks. And that's all I remember of them. I remember being terrified to actually stay there without my mom. And then I remember one day, my grandpa and grandma got mad about some brownies. And I was 17. I never saw them again. Because they quit speaking to us. Because we didn't like their brownies. Huh? You know how stupid that is? Can we say stupid in church? If you want to know something that's stupid, that is stupid. I'm going to cut my whole family off because of some brownies that were great. I love them. So that was 17. That was 37. Is my math right? I am horrible at math. 27? 27. 27 years ago. Never saw them again. And it took me a long time to not be angry and say, they don't deserve it. However, the Christian in me said, it doesn't matter what they deserve. I don't cast what they deserve. I have to honor who they were. And they still were my grandfather and my grandmother. And when they were, to me, in their right mind, they loved me. And, 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 and that's what I have to work with. And so I will always honor them, though I wasn't best friends with them, that's for sure. This is a grandpa who, in my 20s, I reached out and said, can we come see you? And he said, no. He said, no, because they don't treat me good. I said, who's they? He don't even remember their names. He, he had lost it. They don't, they, We're like, who's they? We didn't even know. And he didn't, he didn't remember my name anymore, Nate. He said, are you the baby? The baby? The, the one that does, like, the singing? The baby? I said, yeah, the baby, Jeff. And it was crushing to hear that no longer do we see him, but he couldn't remember me because of time in distance. And I'm about to preach a sermon called uh, Distraction Through Distance. And, and that is about how we can be totally distant and in the same room with our loved ones. He was physically distant in Illinois. He moved away and all this stuff. But what I'm saying to y'all is at the end of the day, as a man, I honor him as my grandfather and always will. He served in the military. He was in the Navy. He did the canines with the drug sniffing and all that. I honor the man he was. So I can let go of that because of honor, because I still need to honor him as a child of God and him being a child of God. And so there's someone in your life, maybe, maybe it's your parents, they weren't good to you. It doesn't mean you got to be chummy chummy with them and they won't have a relationship with you. Sometimes they just won't. But at some point you say, I still honor who they were, who God made them to be. I at least honor them as a child of who God created them to be. And with that, I can find closure. Making sense? You want to heal self? You got to love them anyway. Jesus said, love your enemies. Love your enemies. I can honor, and I've preached on forgiveness about this, that you can forgive them and move on. That's how you forgive yourself, and that's part of honor. Love is demonstrated by many things, including this respect. So who am I honoring in my life today? Do I honor those I say I love? Let's flip this to God's perspective. Let me get one more verse up on here. This is a reiteration of Paul by Jesus in Matthew chapter 19, verse 19. Now Christ is saying, honor your father, father, I cannot speak today, honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, the first time I talked about your father and your mother. This time he says your father and your mother and your neighbor. 
You see what he's doing? He's building blocks of understanding. He's building blocks. Now, these were actually chronologically reversed. The gospel came first before the letters to the Ephesians. But when you tie it all together, the Bible says the scripture speaks collectively. You won't find a verse that supports your lifestyle, but you will find a Bible that collectively supports your your understanding if we allow it. People like to a la carte verses, but the Bible says collectively, word upon word, line upon line, uh, word, uh, precept upon precept, excuse me, my words shall be established, basically not return void. That basically he's saying revelation happens in the collective understanding of the scripture as a whole. When I understand the point of the gospels and then I understand Acts and then I understand the epistles and I look at the bigger picture, God's gonna show me something much clearer than if I just know one piece. It's like knowing how to make a pie, but only dealing with crust. What about the rest? It's not a pie until it's fully formed. You can be pregnant today, but not given birth yet. Y'all getting this? How long do you want to stay pregnant for? Not forever. It's supposed to be nine months. We'll call nine months a spiritual pregnancy duration at One Seed Church. If you want to be pregnant, you got nine months before it's time for a baby to come out. Amen? What's he talking about giving birth? (laughs) The Holy Spirit giving birth, the new birth, to the power of the Spirit to form a union with you that I can feel it, but until I birth it and become one, I am not fully completed in transformation. And that will give me understanding for new things. Oh, Can I show some frustration in a funny way right now? If I make it funny, it's good, right? (laughs) People used to say when I got nervous, I'd laugh. It's true. I play music, I'd start cutting jokes because I was really like. People write into our church who have never been here all the time, and they will just slice out one question. Do you do this? And if you don't, I'm not, I'm not knocking them. And if that's for you, that's good. But if you don't do it exactly like they say, next church, please. Like, how do you know what you need until you have tasted something? And so, and so they, 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 hear, they hear something from someone like Google, and, and Google's so honest. And then they take that, and the devil says, oh, Charlie Brown, whatever. Like, like, like then they say, I'm going to stay home, and I'm not going to do nothing. And, and if it, you know what? God's trying to show you something. Come on, somebody. If we're living like that. We got to get in. Why would we come to church if we had it all figured out? God can't change soil that's permanently there. It's got to be moved around and shuffled. So what I'm saying is like, man, it hurts my heart because I tell Michelle, like, look, they checked us off the list. They don't even know what our list looks like. Happens all the time. And I finally say, you know what, at year three, that's God. That's on you, Lord. I can't can't handle it. If they don't want to even want to taste the table food, that's okay. But we'll still be here cooking when they decide they're hungry. And I move on. And I honor their position, even people I disagree with. I honor that I respect their decision, their position. Doesn't mean I gotta love it. Doesn't mean I even gotta agree with somebody to honor them. I respect them. In fact, I typically honor people more who are firm in what they know and and understand because they have some integrity with it. That's a good thing. Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. When I love people, 
I love God. See, he talked about honor and love in the same sentence. So if I'm honoring God, if I love God, I have to love people. I have to. I'm not a people person, believe it or not. You ought to see me during the week. I'm in my cave. I call it the back cave. I'm in my, my work clothes. I won't say what those look like. I'm in, I work at home. And, and I'm in my, my messy hair. I hope they don't want to talk to me on camera today kind of thing. Like I better throw a ball cap on. Like that's, that's the real me. Y'all, so, you're so blessed by this, I know. What I'm saying is you got to train yourself to love people no matter what because loving people God's way is not the same as being a social butterfly. You don't have to be an extrovert to love people the right way. You just got to honor them. You just got to respect them. You got to have concern for their need. That's what it's about. It's not, it's not about being the loudest one in the room, which I'm capable of, but that's not what it's about. It's about honoring, committing, speaking life to people. Can you all stand this morning? God desires it. When we don't feel like it, you just tell yourself, well, God desires it. I can't tell, I won't, I won't go there. Sometimes I'll, I'll know the answer in an argument, and I'll know God desires it, and then I just won't include that part because I want to win. Well, do you want to win the battle and lose the war, or you want to seize to the mercy of God and see the battle dissipate because of God taking care of the problem. We can't win these little one-off occasions. We don't have to have the last word. Man, I got tired of being that person. Always got to say what I think back in the day. When I was younger, I was a real hothead. And I would, I would have to tell you what I think. If you challenge me, I'm going to challenge you. And whoever has the last word is more man. Is that not the dumbest thing? Until you meet someone bigger than you and crazier than you, you're like, okay, you win. You win. I'm, I'm out of here. Bye. What I'm saying is that that is not an honor-filled behavior. Honor walks away and gives a hug. Honor says, I love you, I'm praying for you, and walks away from it and gives it to God. That's what honor does. I want to honor God so that all things God has given me become opportunities to witness. That's really what we're doing here. We are all ships on the sea of the Messiah to touch lives out stranded in the waters. I want you to picture this with me. This might, how many have seen Titanic? Oh, this is going to hit you. You know, people are visual. You know, they remember if you give them a picture, you want to memorize something, paint it to a picture. It's photographic. How many, we were just talking about Titanic, and my kids happen to know about that movie, and I, I, I don't know about you, but it's like the saddest, I would say that and Saving Private Ryan and Braveheart, like some of the saddest movies I've ever seen. And this is going to hurt, okay? But I know you'll remember this during the week. And if you leave here and you go, that guy really irritated me. He, he made me cry. He made me feel something. No, that's the power of God getting to your heart right now. But I want you to visualize something. And then you'll know what gets us up to do this every week and to put it all on the line and to go, go radical with our faith. Then it'll make sense to you. When you think of the Titanic and you think of all those people floating in those rafts, horrible, right? We want to get them. Well, guess what? We're the dinghies. 
We're the, we're the rescue boats. We got the ship across the way, and we got to choose. Are we going to send out to those stranded with all they got is a ring around them, and they're barely floating in this ice-cold water? And we're not talking about a plunge here, y'all. For miles. Look, as far as you can see, look at the moonlight shining on the water. As far as you can see, they're in the rings just stranded. They're waiting for someone to get them. What are we doing? Are we drinking lattes? Are we getting in the dinghy and getting the people? What are we doing? Come on, somebody. What are we doing? We are to go out into the world. Honor your mother and your father so that you may take it out well with you in the world and you may see beyond self. God created them. God loves them. Look, there's grandpa in the back. He's still floating, saying, I'm sorry, can you come get me? No, they don't deserve it. Because that's what Christ would do. I'm getting in my boat. I don't know if there's enough gas. I don't, I don't know, but I believe that if Peter can walk on water by faith, I can get in my boat for Jesus, and I can drive into the darkness because I got the moonlight to see. And I'm going to find that person, and I'm going to go find Grandpa, and I'm going to go find Grandma, and I'm going to grab them, and I'm going to say, I still love you. I still love you because God still loves you. And just because I hate what you did to me in your flesh, I love you as a child of God, and you're still my blood. I'm going to find you. We are vessels. Jesus is the ship driver. We are boats. Somebody needs to take their boat out of winterization and get it in the water today. We all do that. You're going to see an infantry of rescue mission out into the waters. And that's the people of O'Fallon. You see how my brain thinks? You see the people of O'Fallon out in that water. Get in the raft and let's go get them. Let's go get them. This is not a show. I don't want to do a show. I want to get the people and show them how much they need him before they don't have air to breathe. That's what we're doing. This is a rescue mission. This is a rescue mission, and the boat's bigger than the Titanic. The boat is global. It's a boat that's got to come to shore, and we're going to go get them. Who wants to get them with me? Who thinks we can get them? One rescue at a time, one seed at a time. We're going to pull them in, we're going to rescue them, and then we're going to send them out, and they're going to do the same, and it's going to multiply, and we're going to start bringing the shores in, and people will be flooding the sand beaches with glory is what we're going to see. We praise you right now, God. We lift our hands to you in adoration, in reverence. It's a sign that we surrender to you. When I surrender, I respect what you do. I respect who you are in my life. When I surrender, I respect who you are to me, that your role matters to me, that I am nothing without you. When I surrender, I revere that you are bigger than man, that you're omnipotent, and you are the alpha and the omega. When I surrender, I know that I can't exist without your love, and I give thanks for that, and we're going to go out and praise, and we thank you now, God, if the house of God can say, in Jesus' name, everybody say, amen.